such a powerful time of baptism and worship and praise. God is truly in this place. Amen. We are in our Welcome Home series, and actually today is the final day of it. And we have been teaching on that. We started in February, and uh, my husband started teaching on revival, and revival broke out, and we never finished it. We were in the REAP series. And so we picked it back up uh, this month, and we've been talking about Calvary and the kind of house that Calvary is. We are a house that pursues revival. We, we are a house that is committed to evangelizing not only the city, but the world for Jesus. And we are committed to seeing people discipled and grow in their life and in their walk with Christ. But we believe that it is all done through the power of prayer. Amen. Prayer changes things and prayer changes people. Prayer changes us. Prayer can do anything that God can do because our prayers move him to act. And if prayer moves God to act and work in us and work in this world, then prayerlessness excludes God from everything concerning us, and it gives the devil the upper hand. But I'm here to release this word in your life and actually prophesy the title of this message this morning, and that is this, the tables are about to turn. Tell your neighbor, the tables are about to to turn. You're stepping into a new anointing. The tables are about to turn. You're stepping into new power. The tables are about to turn. You're stepping into new purpose. The tables are about to turn. Oh, turn to your neighbor and just prophesy to them. Tell them the tables are about to turn on the enemy in your life. Hallelujah. So our bedrock text this morning that we're coming from First, I'm going to read some few scriptures throughout this, and the Lord's going to help me. But Matthew 21, verse 12 through 14, the Bible says that Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. Will you lift your hands with me as we pray today? I don't believe anybody is here on accident this morning. Thank you, Jesus. But Lord, we raise our hands in this place today. And Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in our hearts. I thank you for what you are doing in this place. I thank you for what you are doing in every individual in this room this morning. You are pooling us, Lord. You are pulling us higher. You are pulling us to a greater call. You are pulling us to your call. You are calling us to your purpose and your design and your plan for our lives. You are pulling us. Pull us, Holy Spirit, even in this place today, oh God. Pull us and release a fresh anointing over us, Lord God, that you would do in our lives everything that you desire to do. Today, Lord God, 
I desire to decrease so that you can increase. I don't want to be seen. I want you to be seen in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would preach whatever you want to preach. If I've got something written down and I'm not supposed to say it, I don't want to say it. If there's something I don't have written down that you want me to say, then Lord, let me say it. But I pray, Holy Ghost, that you would deliver this word into the hearts of your people, oh God, because we are in an urgent hour. We are in an urgent hour as the church and as the people of God. There's no more time for playing games. There's no more time for, for playing games. There's no time for playing games with our purpose. There's no time for playing games with this life that you have given us. We have this one opportunity. We have this one life. You have called us, each and every one of us in this house. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. We have been designed with a purpose, with a call, with a plan of God. And Lord, it is time. It is time for the church to put the enemy underneath our feet, to put anything that would stop us anything that would block us underneath our feet and that we would rise up and say yes Lord yes Lord to your will and to your way do in me and through me what you want to do oh hallelujah I ask for your anointing this morning Lord I pray for your anointing to preach the word and I pray for your anointing to hear the word in this place today in Jesus name amen amen turn to somebody and Remind them again, the tables are about to turn. You know, the saying to turn the tables, it comes from the era of board games, particularly backgammon. I used to play that growing up. I don't know about you. As games played with dice, and they were called table games. <clears throat> That's where that term came from. If it wasn't going in your favor you would have to turn the tables if you were going to win. It was the idea of a comeback. You reverse the player's current positions in order to change the outcome. You didn't necessarily turn the whole board game around. It was just a metaphor. And to say the tables are turned, it means to reverse a situation and gain the upper hand. The person who once had the advantage in a situation now has the disadvantage. It's when you move from a weaker position to a stronger position. And it also means that you are now doing to the person what the person was doing to you. Yeah, I got some people, you're already there. You're already there. Tell, the, tell your neighbor the tables are about to turn on the enemy. Come on. That depression is about to turn on him. Come on, that rebellious child, that is about to turn on the head of the enemy. Hallelujah. Some prayer warriors are about to move from a weaker position to a stronger one. Come on, God's about to flip the script. Everything the enemy has been throwing at you is about to be thrown on him. Somebody shout it one more time. The tables are about to turn. So in our text, we see the background of what's happening here. Jesus comes into the temple. It's actually Passover week, and he finds the money changers not only selling, but they are gouging the people so that they could make a profit. They're gouging them financially, charging them more than what the doves should have cost. It's kind of like when the hurricanes 
start moving and we're trying to go get some gas and some food and they're gouging the prices. That's what they were doing. And they were charging an absorbent amount for doves that were needed for the sacrifice. And Jesus walks in to that scene going on there and he got angry. He overturns their money changing tables and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And then he showed them what his house was intended for as the blind and lame came up to him at the temple and he healed them. He was saying, my house is to be a place where people can come to experience the work of God in their lives. People are making the church about many things today. Many are making it just about a social club. Uh, a place of a community of believers where they can gather together and drink coffee. And all, and all of that is so good to be in community. But we need to be a place where the broken can find hope and the sick can be healed. Hear me. Too much of the church has been focusing on the practical instead of focusing on the powerful. But Calvary Christian Center is a place where we want people to come in and be restored and be healed. Where their lives can be changed where the blind can receive their sight hallelujah welcome home to a house of prayer calvary is a house that is built on prayer and we know the power experienced in this house is of god and not from us we pray as a staff and leaders tuesday wednesday thursday we're actually in here in prayer nine to ten and then other times beyond that, we're in prayer. But we pray as a staff and leaders because we want this house to be inhabited by the Spirit of the Lord. But the word house is the word okos in the Greek, and it actually means any dwelling place, an inhabited house. It refers to the human body. And then we see in the New Testament, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. You are a house of prayer. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am a house of prayer. Acts 7.48 says, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet said, Isaiah prophesied it years before. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? House is that same word of okos. It's referring to you and me. It's not to a building. It's not to a structure. But it is to you. It is to me. It's referring to those who say, I am the blood-bought. I am the redeemed. He is saying, what house will you build for me? He's looking for those who will build him a house of prayer, a place that he can inhabit. You see, Jesus was upset when he saw the greed and the wickedness and the exploitation in the temple. The temple was a prototype representing each one of us who would follow Christ and invite him to make his home in our hearts. And Jesus walked in there and he said, uh-uh, this, this ain't my house. You know, there are places where you go and you feel out of place the moment you are there. You know what? You feel uncomfortable. You wish you had not come. 
you are not at home, and you are not at peace with what is going on. Can I get a witness? Has that ever happened to you? And when Jesus stepped into the atmosphere, he was like, whoa, this is not me. This, this is not what I intend for my house to be like. This is not who I am. This is not what my will is. And when Jesus stepped into this atmosphere, he began to drive out everything in the house that was hindering worship, everything that wasn't focused on God as it related to worship. Oh, and God has been speaking to me on this for this entire month. And if you are on our staff, you have heard me say it. Even if you are on our CCA staff, because they came into prayer for a couple of weeks during the month of August. But on the first day of August, August the 1st, it was our day of fasting and prayer. The first Tuesday of every month, we fast noontime, we fast lunch, and we meet together and we pray. And it was on that day that, the, that actually the first day of the month landed on, that, on a Tuesday. And I came home that evening and I was meditating on what the Lord was just speaking to me about you know, this day of fasting and prayer, the things that I was fasting for, what I was believing him for. And I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to look up what the meaning of the word August was. I'd never been prompted to do anything like that before. But I looked up the word August and it means inspiring reverence or adoration of supreme dignity or grandeur, majestic, of or befitting a Lord. You kind of, when you hear about an August performance, um, it, it speaks of even marked by the majestic. But it comes from the Latin word Augustus, meaning consecrated. And the root word aug means to increase. So for the month of August, he has kept me in this place of consecration. That he was calling us to give to the Lord what he desires. And that is a life laid down for his use. It was like the Lord said this month of August, dedicate it to me. Dedicate it to, to, to my glory in your life. Whatever you need to lay down, lay it down. To consecrate means that you... That you Set yourself, you devote yourself to the call of God, to the purpose of God. And how we need more than ever the church to arise as people who are consecrated, totally given over to the Lord, to his will, to his word, to his way, that we lay down our own wants and our own desires. That is what it's called following Jesus Christ. Come on. And I believe that the Lord had just spoke to me to do that and that he said that in this season, there would be an increase. There would be an increase of the majestic. There would be an increase of the glory. Woo! What does the Bible say? If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will raise you up. There's something that happens whenever you bring yourself before the Lord and you lay down what needs to be laid down. Amen. That he can move in your life. 
And so for the month of August, he has kept me in this place of consecration. And I believe that he is still looking for those who will humble themselves, those who will lay everything that they desire aside. Hallelujah. And they will consecrate themselves. He told He told. Joshua, he said, tell the people, consecrate themselves, for tomorrow I will do amazing things among you. I believe that as we have been in this season, I don't know what September has to hold, but I know August has been all about laying down to see the majestic, to see the glory of the Lord. And I say, whatever it takes for the glory, whatever has to be laid down for him to increase in me, whatever I have to press through, whatever I have to do, I'm here to let the devil know he's underneath my feet. Hallelujah. I want to be a living house of prayer so he can work his power through me without anything blocking that flow. Oh, come on. Nothing turns the table like prayer. There is nothing that will turn the tables on the enemy in your life as will the power of prayer. And the disciples saw this in the life of Christ. They asked him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, one translation of the word pray is, teach us to be an instrument of prayer. They had seen him begin his day in prayer. They had seen him pray after times of ministry, before casting out demons. He was continually in prayer. And I believe the disciples knew that the work that he did, they realized that the power that Jesus walked in whenever he cast out demons and when he healed the sick was strictly from the relationship that he had with his father. We know this because there was never a request of the disciples to, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to heal. Lord, teach us to raise the dead. Or, Lord, teach us to walk on the water. Or, Lord, teach us to feed the thousands. We never read them, ask him to teach them that. They didn't even say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They weren't interested in theory. They were interested in reality. They wanted to walk in a life of prayer that produces a life of power. And I'm here to tell the church this morning, there is still a life of prayer that will enable you to walk in a life of power. Woo! The church ain't dead. The church ain't weak. The church is bold. The church is the kingdom of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They wanted to walk in a life of prayer that produced a life of power. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been saved, or where you came from. There is a life of power available to you that comes through prayer. And you can be an instrument that God flows through, that he works through. And so the They had asked Jesus, teach us to pray, because as they saw him and witnessed this flowing from this life of prayer, you know what the Jews knew of prayer was the Shema. It was, this is what they knew as Jews, which was comprised of three sections of Old Testament scriptures, you know, beginning with Deuteronomy chapter... Chapter 6, the Lord, our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength. They had to say it the first thing in the morning, and they had to say it the the last thing at night, twice a day. You repeat this prayer. 
And then there was their second form of prayers called the Shemanoff. That was 18 separate prayers that later became 19, but it was 18 that they memorized as children, and they had to say that three times a day, 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. And it became a custom. And anything that we do as a custom, it usually becomes meaningless. It usually becomes more of a duty. You know, you, you got to do it, so you race through these 18 prayers, saying them as fast as you can, and again at noon and again at 3 p.m. to get them done. Come on. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to take. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to give. I remember it. But it Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it and nourish it to my body. It's in Jesus' name, amen. How much thought went into that? But you say it every single time. You know it so well. You can be thinking about something else entirely while you're saying the words. And they just become an empty repetition of words. But when you get desperate, baby, come on. Sometimes customs go out the window and you weep and you moan and you cry out. Let tragedy hit your life. Let a, let a doctor's report come knocking on your door. Come on. It'll stir up a desperate prayer meeting in your life. But right now, there is a desperate need in this world. And that is a God-calling, Holy Spirit-stirring awakening for His purpose and power to be laid a hold of by His church. In a world filled with darkness, the church will arise in kingdom power and authority. When you pray, you release purpose. When you pray, destiny's unlocked. When you pray, you lose the anointing. Hallelujah. The tables are about to turn. Because somebody's getting ready to take the upper hand back from the devil. Ooh. He's been winning long enough. Ooh, hallelujah. But it's time to turn the tables. So Matthew 6, Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, this is how he's addressing the disciples. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So Jesus has just warned about vain repetitions in prayer. So we know that what he is giving us here is a model of prayer. And it is a model for living a house of prayer that he can move through. Now, I could have preached all kind of messages on prayer and made you shout all over this place today of how God answers prayer. Whatever you ask, you will receive. I mean, I, I could have I just 
told you every great scripture, but the Lord has had me so much in this month of August. And he brought me to this, this prayer that he showed the disciples that this is how to pray. This is the model of prayer. I believe that when they said, Lord, teach us how to be an instrument of prayer, we want to walk in the power that we see you walking in. As they watched him fulfill his purpose on this earth, Lord, we want to fulfill the purpose that you have for us to walk in. We, we want to walk in the power to do it. And Jesus gives them this model. And so I'm going to walk through the model this morning, and we're going to go through it. And you're going to take it home, and you're going to begin to pray through it. Amen. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, you direct your prayers toward a person, your Father. Father means giver and protector of life. You point your prayer towards the Father, not the universe. Many people are saying you pray to the universe. You don't pray to the universe, but to the one who created the universe. Hallelujah. And the first thing that Jesus teaches about the power of prayer is that prayer is about relationship, not ritual. The disciples knew of a mere form of prayer, but there was little real thought of God and real approach to God. But God wants to be in relationship with us directly, not superficially. And if there's going to be any power in our prayer, the first thing to be sure of when we pray is that we have really come into the presence of God and that we are really speaking to him. Because let's get honest, we can kneel down in prayer and we can be thinking for more of what we want to ask God for than we are of the amazing, mighty God that he is. We can be more attentive to our problems and our needs or wants than to the one who has all power, the creator of heaven and earth. We can even not be thinking of what we are asking for or of him, but our thoughts are wandering off somewhere else. Can I get a witness? We can have words of prayer on our lips, but there is no real approach to the Father in our hearts, in our minds. We are thinking about what we got to do today. We're thinking about how we're feeling. We're thinking about, I would really like to go back to bed. We can spend countless hours in prayer and not be praying at all. Real prayer is having an audience with the Father. It's about coming into his presence. It's about setting your heart and affection on him in worship. To draw near to him. And asking to receive the things from him as a son. As a daughter of God. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed or holy is your name. We come to him. Bowing our knee in worship. Lord there's no one like you. I come before you this morning. In worship. I bow my life before you. I honor you and I give you my worship. I give you all that I am. And we have the right and we have the opportunity to come into his presence through the blood of Jesus. 
So I cancel the lie that you don't have the right to come before the throne of God because we have the right through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19 says, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, the moment that you accepted Christ and believed in what the blood shed did for you, that Jesus died in your place, that he covered your sin and he made you accepted in the beloved and made you righteous it made a way for you to enter into the holy place and come into the very presence of God by the blood of Jesus somebody ought to give him praise because you're covered in the blood when God looks at you he doesn't see what you've done he doesn't see your past he doesn't see your failures he sees the blood thank you Lord for the blood We don't have acceptability before God in ourselves, but by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we can now come boldly and with confidence into the presence of God. And everything we ask for and receive is not by anything we could do out of our own goodness, but it is on the basis of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Prayer is not a performance. It is not a duty. It is a privileged relationship with the Father that we have through Jesus Christ. So he said, when you pray, pray to the Father. Before you ask for anything, be sure you've come into his presence. Come into his presence with adoration and worship. It's not about ritual. It's about a relationship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer is the instrument, not for getting our will done in heaven, but getting his will done in the earth. So the priority of prayer that Jesus is showing us here is the will of God. Oh, I thought it was my will. I thought it was to get what I wanted. I thought it was for me to get that man. No, Jesus, the very first thing that he shows is to get God's will on earth. Paul said, Paul prayed this prayer. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will so you can walk in it. God has a plan for this house. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family, and that's what needs to come first and foremost in your life. What does Matthew 6, 33 say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The enemy wants to keep you from prayer so he can keep you from knowing God's will for your life. There's a lot of people walking around saying, I don't even know what God's will is. Well, if you pray, he'll show you. If you pray, he'll show you. Ephesians 5 says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. His will is revealed to you through prayer. It's revealed to you through his word. His known will is through his word. But he will speak to you about what your life is for. He will reveal it through prayer. And when you pray, he will make known, come on, if you're supposed to marry that woman or not. He'll make known if you're supposed to marry that man or not. He'll, he'll make it known if that's the job for you. He'll make, you know, he'll make it known if you're supposed to make that move or not. 
when we came to Calvary, when we took Calvary, we were traveling as evangelists on the road. And when they called us to come here, you've heard the story, we didn't really want to come. We were real happy being evangelists and never thought that we would pastor a church again. So whenever we got that call, we had to submit ourselves to walk that process out to hear what God would have to say. But we were not just going to say yes because it looked like a good opportunity or no because we didn't want to do it. But we wanted to be in the center of God's will. So what did we do? We said, give us three days to pray and fast about it. And we set ourselves before the Lord to say, Lord, what is your will for Dawn and Jim Rayleigh? Is it to be at Ormond Beach? Or is it for us to continue to travel? And the Lord began to turn all kinds of situations around that are supernatural. And he made it known to us that, yes, you're supposed to come to Calvary Christian Center. I have a plan. Come on. And God will let you know what his will is for your life, but you got to pray about it. Somebody say, pray about it. And here's the next thing. Whenever he tells you and shows you what his will is, you got the choice to say, yes, Lord, or no, Lord. Come on. I've, I've had some counseling times where I've counseled some women and said, you do not need to Marry that man, yea, verily says the Lord. Because I could tell it with my natural eye. But she said, no, I want to marry that man. Come on, and in six months they were divorced. We, we have the opportunity when the Lord says, this is the way, walk in it. We can say yes or we can say no. But Jesus said this, he said, if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find it. There is nothing that you can lay down that is greater than what God has for your life. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if that was the man of your dreams. If that was the woman of your dreams, but if you know God is saying, somebody must be about to marry the wrong person. That's all I got to say because I keep getting hung up right here. <laughs> John and Kim, I'm trying to help the marriage ministry so you don't have as many to counsel. But it, it, even if you think they're, they're, the, they're, the, they're my only option, come on. I want to get married. Let me tell you, if you will follow the will of the Lord, if you will let him lead your life, he can do far above. That knight in shining armor is going to come riding around the next corner. Come on. But the tables are about to turn in your life when you let go of trying to control your life, figure out what you want your life to be, and you say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke 17, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are of another kingdom. But to walk out the supernatural purpose that God has requires us to lay our will down for His, to lay our wants down for His. And the power to do it is through prayer. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The will of God was for Him to lay His life down on the cross. It wasn't what was easy. It wasn't what he felt like doing. He actually said, I would rather not do this. And the Bible says that he prayed over it. 
But he didn't just pray a little prayer. The Bible said he prayed until he sweated. And then the Bible said he prayed until his sweat became drops of blood. He was in agony, the Bible said. And I'm not here to tell you it's always easy to lay down your will for God's will. Somebody ought to shout right there if you know what I'm talking about. I'm not here to tell you that you will want to do it every time. But I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of God is in you. And what you have been put on this earth to fulfill in the plan of God is necessary. It is necessary for you to step in and to say, yes, Lord. We can run from God's will. We can try to silence it with doing other things. But if you will surrender, and if you will let go of your way and surrender to his way, the tables are about to turn. Oh! Oh! I feel some chains breaking off of somebody's life right now. Because somebody's saying yes. Hallelujah. The will of God is not always the easiest place to be, but it is always, always the safest. Whew. When, we came to, when we came to Calvary, just to be honest, like we were on the evangelistic field and God was blessing us. We had been blessed for the very first time financially, but to come to Calvary, it was, not, it was not an easy decision to make, but we knew we heard the Lord. But then it was not an easy decision to walk out because we actually went back to being a little bit broke. And so to go from being blessed, you know, for, to go from being broke to being blessed is one thing. But then to go from being blessed to being broke, that's, that's a hard thing. That, that ain't too easy. That ain't like what, we, what you would choose to do, right? But when you know that you know that you know that it's God's will for your life, you take a step of faith into the realm of the impossible, hallelujah, and you trust in the Lord, hallelujah. In fact, in this month of August, one scripture that the Lord had taken me to was when Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow I would do amazing things among you. And when they got to the river in that moment, that they needed to cross it. When Moses was alive, he put out the scepter and the waters backed up before they walked over. They, they saw the dry land and they walked over. Easy peasy, right? But when Joshua was called to lead the people... He didn't tell him that. He said, you put your foot in the water. It was about taking a step of faith. And I even believe that one thing that the Lord is speaking to us about in this month of August and in this thing of laying our lives down, that we may be called to take steps of faith in this process. Maybe God is calling you to do something. You have heard him speak to you about his will for your life, but you're like, how can I do that? The, the floodwaters are in front of me. I don't even see that it's possible. How can I get from here to there? There's all these barriers in the way. But the Lord said in this season, step out on his word. Step out on what he has told you, called you to do. And the tables are about to turn. Tell your neighbor, the tables are about to turn. Well, I would rather be in a tough place in the will of God than in an easy place outside of the will of God. Because when we are in his will, all things work together for the good. Amen. So the purpose and power you are looking for is in the very first part of this prayer path. 
When you seek him first and put his kingdom first, everything else will fall into place. So the next part of his prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, yet for us there is only one God, the Father. Is everybody okay with this? Not boring you? Okay. (laughs) Yet for us there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things. He is the source of all things. All things. Not some things. All things. He is the source of all things. So what do you need in your life? Wisdom. He's the source. Finances. Healing. Peace. Direction. Somebody say everything. Everything. We need reliable sources in our life. A source is a supplier of something you cannot produce on your own. I I need a source of electricity in my house in this unusually hot summer that we've been having. Come on. I need a source that will provide me some cool air. But this source can have breakdowns. A hurricane has been known to take it out for a week's time, up to 10 days. Many people look to others to be their source, money to be their source, their education to be their source. But anything in this natural realm has limitations. If we try to depend on ourselves, we have limitations. This flesh has limitations. But Luke 1, says, with God, nothing is impossible he's the one who said I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus God knows what you need but he instructs us to bring our petitions before him in prayer give us this day our daily bread it tells him that we are depending on him to be our source that we're not looking to the left or to the right We're not depending on ourselves or our own ability. We're not depending on anyone else. We're not depending on our our workplace, our boss. We're not depending on on our parents. We are depending on him. And he said, and when you pray, ask specifically for what you need. You see, God doesn't answer vague prayers or general prayers, but he answers direct, specific prayers. Because when you pray specifically, you will understand and know when he manifests that answer in your life. There are people in this room and you are people of prayer. And you know what I mean when I say this. For people that pray, there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences for people who pray. No, baby, that was God working through prayer. I know that just seemed like it just happened to you, but baby, I prayed about it. And that was God showing me that he heard my prayer. And Jesus said, ask for what you need and depend on him to supply it. Bread is the substance that sustains us. Give us this day our daily bread. He said, whatever you need to sustain you, whatever you are in need of in this life, ask for it. And the word bread in the Greek has at its root the meaning to raise up, to elevate, to lift up. So when God is your source, he will raise you higher than you can go. He will open doors that you can never open. You can keep on walking around without praying over your needs 
if you want to. But I'm going to ask God for everything that I need because he's the God of more than enough. And he actually goes way beyond and above what I ask him for. Come on. He's not limited to your ability or to your capacity. If one door closes, he'll open another door. If that door closes, he'll open a window. Come on. There is nothing impossible for God. And whatever you lack, he will supply. And when it comes to your purpose, because we're talking a lot, this prayer for me is about purpose. It's about the church walking in your purpose. I want you to have all of the natural things that you need. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have that house. I want you to have that great job. I want you to make a lot of money. I want your family to be blessed and you to take incredible vacations. I want all that. But more than I want for you is for you to walk in the power and in the purpose and plan that God has for your life. And when it comes to your purpose, we've said it over time and time again, God doesn't call the qualified, but he does qualify the called. And he will supply. So whatever you need, whew, you're like, God, you're calling me to do that? I'm not qualified to do that. I don't have the education to do that. I, I, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't even look right to do that. Come on. But he will supply. Moses said, Lord, I stutter. I can't go talk to Pharaoh. He said, no, Moses, I've called you, and if you need Aaron, I'll give you Aaron. He took the stone that David had in his hand and made it enough to kill Goliath. Come on. He revealed the dreams to Joseph to move him from the prison to the palace. He himself stepped into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm here to tell you that through prayer, you're qualified for the job. Hallelujah. He's your source. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to the Lord. Man is not your source. God is your source. God is your source. God is your source. Mama, God is your source. For your marriage, God is your source. Quit looking to other things. Quit Googling about it. God is your source. Get in your prayer closet and ask him to heal it. Ask him to restore it. Ask him to save that child. Ask him to turn that situation around. God is your source. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. And then the next thing very pertinent to our lives and for walking in our purpose, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'll try to run through this part as fast as I can because I know there's a lot of people not wanting to hear about this. Y'all still love me? All right. Forgiveness, the definition is the setting of one's will, the making of a decision, a decree, 
a decision at the spiritual level that a release is granted to the offending person or situation. Forgiveness is required. And it is through God's help that we can forgive. Jesus included it in this place of prayer. We can't hold a grudge. We can't hold on to the offense. We can't be people unforgiving. We can't let bitterness take root in our hearts. Tell your neighbor, you got to let it go. Forgiveness doesn't depend on fairness, on whether we want to or not, or who is in the wrong. It doesn't say that we excuse the offense and say it's okay. It, does mean, it doesn't mean that we have to feel forgiving in order to forgive. Forgiveness starts with a decision because God said, I have to forgive. Forgiveness is the first step to freedom. If you're in need of freedom in an area of your life, I'm here to tell you the truth. Forgiveness is the first step. It's the first step to healing in that marriage. It's the first step to your deliverance and breakthrough. Forgiveness. To forgive and release those who have hurt you is the first step in breaking the power of every generational curse every stronghold, and every oppression of the enemy. Forgiveness will block it. It'll block your breakthrough. It'll block your peace. It'll block your healing. It'll block you from moving forward in the plan and the will of God for your life. It'll block your relationship with God. But when we forgive, we are choosing to release that person to the Lord we're giving them to the Lord because that's what Christ has done for us. How can we receive forgiveness and not give it to others? The disciples said, Lord, how many times must we forgive? Seven? I could probably do that. How about you? But Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, in an unlimited kind of way. And we do it by prayer. Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. I can't do this on my own. But Lord, in your strength, I'm laying it down. And I'm releasing it. And I'm giving it to you. Help me to forgive completely. And put the past underneath the blood. Lord, I put them in your hands. And I release them to you. In fact, why don't you right now. Hold both your hands out like this, like you're giving something away. And if there's someone you need to forgive this morning, I want you to pray with me. Lord, I confess my sin of unforgiveness. Today, I choose to forgive and release. I release them, Lord, for every word, every wrong, every wound I have been holding on to. I break the power of this unforgiveness and every stronghold attached to it out of my life at the root. 
through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. I receive your freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. There's a presence going across this room right now. There's a presence of God going across this room right now. You don't even realize it, but you just opened the door for freedom. You just opened the door to healing in your life. Woo. The hold the devil had on you, he ain't got no more. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. So we're almost there. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's kind of like this. When you have little children and you go to the grocery store, you could take the shortcut to the cheese by cutting down the candy aisle. Because you know you need your cheese. And you could cut down that candy aisle and get that cheese quicker. But you know if you go down that candy aisle with those little ones, you're going to deal with begging children, grabbing at all the candy bars and the bubble gum that they can reach, and wanting all kinds of things that you don't want them to have. So instead, you avoid the temptation, and you take a different route. That mom knows the temptation is going to sidetrack, it's going to draw them away, it's going to hinder their progress of the mission that they are on. And if we're going to be a house of prayer, and we're going to be a house of power, then we're not looking to live as close to sin as we can. I know that's not the culture today, YOLO and FOMO and all that. But we are praying to stay as far away from sin as we can. We're not seeing what kind of websites that we can watch and still feel like it's not quite that bad. No, no, we're going in the opposite direction. We're, we're not trying to live as close to the world as we can. We're trying to live as close to Jesus as we can. We're trying to live as close to what his word says as we can. Lord, deliver me from evil. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I want you to know, I want you to be aware that you have an adversary, the devil. He is roaming about seeking whom he may devour, and he desires to devour you. He desires to devour me. He desires to devour the people of God. There, there is a line being drawn in the sand right now, even in the body of Christ. There are people being deceived. I believe we're being set up for the last days. I, I believe we are so close to it. We can see all the signs of the times. And so we must be aware of this. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. 
that your faith will not fail? How are you going to overcome temptation? How is God going to be able to keep you from the evil one? It is only through prayer. He said, put on the armor of God that you would be able to stand strong against the wiles of the devil. This is not a game. The devil is real. Temptation is real. And the enemy's deception is real in the world today. And as the people of God, I am calling forth the people to begin to rise up in the power of prayer because I believe that God wants to do great exploits through his people. I believe he wants to demonstrate the kingdom of God in these last days through those who will say, yes, Lord, yes, not my will, but your will. I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to lay down whatever I need to be laid down for your glory and for your kingdom. Deliver me from evil. Put on that belt of truth, the Bible said, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. But then it says it's all held together by praying in the spirit at all times. You want to see a powerful church? I'll show you a praying church. You want to see a powerful house of prayer, woman of God, man of God? I'll show you a praying man of God. I'll show you a praying woman of God. Jude says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. If you want to be strong, if you want to be built up in the faith, he says, pray in the Spirit. Be on the advance against the enemy. You know, the Bible says that there was this man named Jabez. And the Bible says that he was more honorable than all of his brothers. And his mother named him Jabez because the Bible says she bore him in pain. He was labeled one who causes pain. But the Bible says that he prayed like this. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. God answers our prayer. And I, I thought this was just so amazing because he took, Jabez took what he was labeled and he didn't even wait to fall into it in any kind of way. But he was on, ad, on the advance against the enemy from being able to manifest any evil through his life. And whatever has labeled you, whatever has seemed to have marked your life, whatever struggle seems to have marked your life, I'm here to tell you if you will take it to the Lord in prayer. Woo! If you will say, Lord, deliver me from this. Deliver me from what has been spoken over me. Deliver me from this addiction. Deliver me from these things that have marked my life. He will answer your request. He is no respecter of persons. He did it for Jabez. He'll do it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say pray about it. And then the last line of his prayer is, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. When you come to the place where it's all about his glory, 
When it's all about his kingdom, the tables are about to turn. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Somebody's here and you've been trying to make your life. You've been trying to control it. You've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to work it, baby, work it. You've been at it. You've been struggling. You've been striving. Listen, I have discovered that my strength is not found in how much I struggle, but in how completely I surrender. That's where your strength, that's where your joy, that's where your peace is going to come from. Not in your striving, but in turning to the one who created you. Turning to him in prayer. Your will, Lord. What's your will for my life? Lord, I'm willing to forgive. Father, supply what I need. You're my source. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to trust in anybody else. I'm going to trust in you. Lord, keep me from evil. Keep me on your path. Keep me in your plan. Give me discernment. Don't let me be deceived. Come on, somebody. I'm looking for some radical people. Who who wants to live like that? Live for Jesus. Do what he's called you to do. Stand up all over this place. We we need to close. It's 12.01. Glory to God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. In Luke chapter 11, there's another account of Jesus teaching the disciples this prayer. And the Bible says, and then he, he went on a little bit further to teach them a little bit more about prayer after he gave them this. And he says it like this. He says, suppose that you went to a friend's house at midnight and you were wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you went and you knocked on the door of this friend's house. But the friend said, don't bother me. The doors are already locked for the night. My family is already in bed. I can't help you. He said, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up. And he will give you whatever it is that you are asking for because of your shameless persistence. I'm calling over you this week a week of shameless persistence in prayer. And I declare... Somebody is going to unlock a knocking. Somebody is going to unlock a shameless persistence of the things that you are wanting to see God do, the things that you are wanting to know from Him about your life. 
You're going to walk with a shameless persistence of knocking and seeking and asking. And the Bible says he will get up and he will give you whatever you ask. I release a spirit of prayer over you. Spirit of God, invade their home, invade their cars, invade their sleep, invade their waking moment. Invade their moments when they lay their head down on their pillow. Invade them with a spirit of prayer. Invade them, Holy Ghost, with your voice. Pray through them. A house of prayer. A house of prayer. A house of prayer, a house of prayer. Hana makusheka dala rabaya sita rabaya kota rabaya shatala rabaya sai. When there's a need, when there's a concern, Lord, don't let them turn to the left or to the right. Don't let them pick that phone up and call that friend that they usually depend on. But Lord, I declare that this week they will know that you're their source, and they will begin to turn and they will begin to call on you. They won't call their neighbor, they'll call on you. And Lord, I thank you that you're answering prayer because of their shameless persistence. Lord, we're not gonna give up until you answer us. We're not gonna quit praying until we see the situation turn. We're not gonna quit praying until that child is in this house giving their heart to Jesus and serving you. We're not gonna quit praying until that body's healed. Come on, somebody, lift up a prayer right now. Let's release a prayer meeting right now. Somebody lift your voice in prayer. Ask him for what you need. Ask him to release his will to you. Ask him to provide that need. Ask him to help you to forgive. Ask him to keep you from evil. If temptation has been at your door, ask him to deliver you from that temptation and to give you the victory over it. Ask him. He's answering today. He will answer our prayer. He will answer our prayer. Oh, somebody call on him. Lord, we're here to call on you. Jeremiah said you will call on me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us to be the kingdom manifest your purpose. Lord, equip us. Fill us. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel a little bit of a prayer meeting in here right now. If if you you need to go get your babies, you can be dismissed. But if there's some of you in here and you want to get to
delivered from something or you want to lay some things down or you want to give before the Lord for a minute, I invite you to come down here. We're going to pray for you this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're needing strength to step into the will of the Lord, if you're, if you're needing breakthrough in your life, if you need deliverance in any kind of way, get down here this morning. We're going to come, come by and pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. For those of you who need to go, this is your dismissal. But we're going to just open these altars for a few minutes. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, and you want to make him the Lord of your life, I want you to come down this morning so we can pray for you. The tables are about to turn. You see, the tables are about to turn right here in these altars. Hallelujah. The table's about to turn. What the enemy's been defeating you with, you're about to turn it back on him. This morning, right now, right now, because your season is now. Your season is now. God is calling you now. You've heard the Lord call. You've heard him pulling you up. You've heard him pulling you higher. You have heard his voice calling you. You know there's been a wrestling in your spirit for more. You know that God has been dealing with you. Get down here right now and the tables are about to turn in your life in the name of Jesus.
As we've been ministering back and forth, I asked Pastor Dawn if this was okay. I sense so strongly in my spirit right now that there is a release and an impartation of the gift of the discerning of spirits that God wants to put in your hands in this moment. Because it's one thing to pray, but it's another thing to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord while you are praying. And I felt like the Lord said that there's some of us in this room right now that in the last three to six months of our life, it's almost like we've been in a stalemate when it comes to sensitivity towards what the Lord is saying is doing. And I believe that, that if you are looking for clarity and direction in this next season of your life, that there comes is coming a grace to you right now in discerning of spirits. And if you would say, Pastor Christian, that's me. I want that gift operating and functioning and flowing in my life right now. Would you just wave at me all across this room? Wow. If you say the last three to six months of my life, I just need clarity and sensitivity. Come on, can you just lift your hands towards heaven all across this room? And I want to pray that this gift of the Spirit be released right now and activated, that the grace of God will be released in your life to be more sensitive to Him than you have ever been before. Hear me really quick before I pray. The gift of discernment operates in three dimensions. It's going to enable you to discern the Spirit of God. It's going to enable you to disable the inner spirit of mankind. And it's going to enable you to discern the angelic realm as well. You're going to be sensitive to the Spirit. And God is going to enable you to walk with Him in a place of clarity and in a place of wisdom you have never known before. It is yours by way of inheritance in the kingdom of God. So lift your hands as I pray. I sense that gift of the Spirit manifested right now. You get so sensitive to the Lord. Father, I pray this sensitivity that I sense Come on, pray, y'all. This, this sensitivity that I sense right now, Lord, this crystal clear clarity, Lord, that you are just making yourself so real to us. I release the gift of discerning of spirits right now to these people, Lord, not only in the altars, but, Lord, the gift of discerning of spirits to those who are in this room. Lord, I pray a fresh grace, a fresh activation of the discerning of spirits to come forth from this house. Lord, especially as we're moving into this new season in the earth, God, discernment, God, give us clarity, give us wisdom, Lord, give us understanding, God, may we see you accurately, may we hear you clearly, Lord, I thank you, I thank you, Lord, for the discerning of spirits that's released in this room today, I thank you, Lord, that, God, we are going to be more sensitive to you than we've ever been before, come on, can you just lift your hands and bless the Lord, I'm telling you, you're about to perceive the spirit of God like you've never had before, your life will never be the same. You will live life knowing the intention of the invisible. Come on, throw your hands up and just worship Him today. Come on, He just released His presence in this place today.
talking about praying in the spirit builds up our faith it builds us up in the faith when we pray in the spirit the bible said if we're going to stand against the wiles of the devil we are to pray in the spirit at all times this week my mother was going through a really hard time i told the staff i got on the phone with her and i prayed everything i knew to pray and then i began praying in the holy spirit as I began praying in the Holy Spirit on that phone with her, all of a sudden there was a breakthrough that happened from Ormond Beach to Byron, Georgia. And there was a breakthrough on her end in the Holy Ghost. And sometimes we forget about the power of praying in the Holy Ghost. I want us, before we leave this place, to take a few minutes and pray in the Holy Ghost. If you're not filled, with your prayer language and you want to be filled with your prayer language you can come stand right here and get filled with the holy ghost right now so that you will leave this place filled if there's anybody you say pastor don i've never been filled with the holy ghost but i want to be filled you come stand right here we're going to pray for you to be filled with the holy ghost because you need this power hallelujah hallelujah you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is how the Holy Spirit works. He speaks something into our minds. We don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us because he, he understands that it's not our language. It's His language. It may sound like a one little syllable or it might be many, many words. But it's not going to make sense to your mind. But in the same way that you got saved by faith and you received Jesus by faith, you got to speak it out. The Bible said they spoke with other tongues. Nobody's going to come in and take over your mouth. you got to open your mouth and you got to say what you're hearing by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're going to start praying. And I want you that are right here to lift your hands and I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray in my prayer language. I want to pray in the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues this morning. Inhabit me, fill me up, overflow me. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray right now that you would fill each one of these that are up here. Lord, fill them with their prayer language and Jesus, be filled with the Holy Ghost. 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 Be 
Hallelujah. Come on, the church is not weak. The church is not intimidated. Oh, hallelujah. The church is not a coward. The church, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Hallelujah. I believe it's time for the church to begin to roar. I believe it's time for the people of God to begin to roar in this land. Hallelujah. 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 It's time for the tables to turn on the enemy. Oh, come on. His voice has been loud. His voice has been loud. It's time for the church to arise as a house of prayer. Woo! And know who you are when you walk out of this place and you walk into your work in the morning. When you walk into your school, when you walk on your college campus, that you know who you are and who is within you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And we don't back down. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's time to get about it, about it, ain't it? It's time for you to get about it, about it. God's been speaking some things to you. Yes. I know it. I can feel it. And the enemy's had you tied down to that chair. But in the name of Jesus, you got up this morning, girl. And you're about to step on the head of the enemy. And the tables are about to turn. There is anointing coming on Pastor Christian. Come lay your hands on her. There is an anointing about to come on her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today was a divine appointment. I believe today was a divine appointment. I commission you as a house of prayer. But not just to pray any old thing or half pray, half thinking through the prayer just to get it done. But I'm looking for some radical people who will get radical with fulfilling the assignment on your life, stepping in by faith into the new, into what you know God has called you to do. And walking it out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's kind of hard to close this service out. Because you know, when prayer becomes not a ritual, it becomes a relationship. You're like, what? It's already been an hour? Hallelujah. Because we get so much in prayer. So this week, you are Shameless, shamelessly persistent. No shame in the game this week. We're going to knock and we're going to get some answers. Amen. God answers prayer. I had a lady come up to me last Sunday morning. We were standing right there as we were getting ready to close. She had a 
dire situation with a business. And she just came up to me and she said, you prayed for me last Sunday. We prayed specifically. And she said, God did a miracle this week. I'm telling you, God answers prayer. When you're praying to him, you're praying led by the spirit. You're praying for his will, not yours. If it's in contradiction to his will, he answers prayer. So I commission you into a week of prayer, and we're going to get some mighty testimonies, I know, by next Sunday. Amen. I'm believing for some restoration and some marriages that we prayed for. I'm believing for some prodigal children to come home this week, some situations to turn around in the name of Jesus. I love you. I love your hunger. I love your desperation for the things of God and for prayer. Calvary is a house of prayer. It's always been a house of prayer. Everything we've done has been built on prayer. So go in prayer this week, and we'll see you next Sunday, if not before. Bless you. Thanks for watching the message. I'm sure this spoke to you. Here's what I want you to do. Why don't you subscribe to this YouTube channel? That way, every time there's a new message, you'll get to hear it. Also, many of you have watched this. Some of you watch on a regular basis. Why not take time? And so you can give at calvaryfl.com. You can give on your phones and you can be a part of helping us take this message around the world, the message of hope, the message of Jesus Christ. Can't wait to see you back here real soon.